If you've been listening for a while, you know that I love to work out and do yoga. With that, though, comes sore muscles and some aches and pains. That's why I'm excited to partner with Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA, is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, and it's also great for sleep and anxiety. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. Tanasi is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Did you know that 97% of women don't get enough vitamin D from their diet? Yes, facts. That's where today's partner, Ritual, comes in. Spring in Chicago can be cold and cloudy, and I haven't seen the sun for a few weeks. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. It's a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking your multis actually enjoyable. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Visit ritual.com slash sober mom for 25% off. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. (laughs) How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Melissa, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast and the Real Sober Mom Chats. I'm excited to meet you and hear your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Where are you in the world? I always forget to ask this, but I think it's important for context. I am in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Okay. So you're in the Midwest too. And you have kids? I do. I have two boys an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay, good. Okay, well, before we can talk about where you're at with sobriety and all of that, let's go back. Let's talk about alcohol. Well, I come from a family where alcohol is very present at every event. Yes. Every birthday party, every Christmas, every holiday. When I was younger, my parents were really into bowling. So I remember being like in the bowling alley filled with smoke and just alcohol everywhere. And, you know, I didn't really realize that when I was little, but now looking back, obviously I know how present it was. Yeah. And just kind of looking back to our holidays with families, I didn't realize when I was little it was there, but now... You know, I just kind of like, oh, wow, there was a lot of alcohol. And when you say you didn't realize it was there, like, did you notice the adults in the room acting differently or did you just really not even know any of that? I honestly think I thought it was just normal. Yeah. Because that all I ever knew, like the fighting and how loud people were. I mean, that was just what I knew growing up as a child, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course I was a kid just doing kid things, playing with my cousins and siblings. But just now as an adult looking back, I'm like, oh, yes, (laughs) now it all makes sense. Yes. And like to have that adult's perspective on our childhood, I think that that's why a lot of times childhood shit comes up, especially in sobriety, because it's like, oh, I am seeing this now with very clear eyes and a totally new perspective. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I actually wasn't like a big drinker. I mean, I drank like a little bit here and there at the parties and even going into college. Like I told my parents, like, I'm not going to drink. And my whole freshman year, I mean, I probably only drank a handful of times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So drinking really didn't become a part of what I did until about like my sophomore year of college. I did go to Ohio University, which if you know, Ohio University is the number one party drinking school in the nation. Okay. Got it. (laughs) So, I mean, we had like a strip with 32 bars on it. Mm -hmm. So I think choosing to go to that college and not drink my freshman year was 
pretty good. Yeah. But then it just kind of wore off on me. Yeah. You know, all my friends were drinking and it just kind of slowly trickled in. I feel like I'd go to a party and be like, okay, I'm going to drink. And yeah. then it just started becoming a part of what I did too. And I'd go home for the holidays and my whole family's drinking. And, you know, it was just always around me yes. everywhere I went. And so... I caved. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when it becomes so normalized, right? Like you definitely are the quote unquote weird one if you're not doing it. Yeah. And so then you're like, well, obviously I'm going to do this. If all of my friends are doing it, all of my family's going to do it. Like it makes so much sense that then you would start drinking. Yeah, for sure. And I bartended in yeah. college to pay the bills. And so I was around it at work too. It just was everywhere. Yeah. So then like I would say throughout college and I stayed and got my master there. It just was a part, you know, the binge drinking on the weekends. I didn't really drink a whole lot during the week. It just really was more partying on the weekends, binge drinking on the weekends. Once I graduated, I became a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so same thing, like I didn't really drink during the week, but drinking is a big part of the teacher culture, like going out for happy hour really? on Thursday and Friday. Wait, why is this? It's so funny because we assume, I don't know, like you just assume it's like teachers are not doing that. But I guess no profession is safe from alcohol, right? If the healthcare practitioners are drinking their asses off and like therapists and like it just doesn't, no one's safe. So I guess it makes sense. It's just... Now I'm like thinking of my teachers or my kids' teachers and I'm like, wow, gosh, I can't, I yeah. can't picture it. <laughs> so you guys would go out for like happy hour and stuff. Yeah. Like on Friday after school, you know, you get out at three o'clock. So we were hitting up the happy hour yeah. before everyone else got off work. Like it was great. <laughs> That's so funny. So even like in my twenties, it was kind of the same thing. I didn't really drink a whole lot during the week. It was more... On the weekends, it kicked off on Friday happy hour with my, you know, teacher friends and stuff. And then not until really having kids, same thing. Like I really only drink a whole lot on the weekends, but then it kind of slowly started trickling in. You know, I'd have a hard day at work and I'd get home and want a couple glasses of wine while I'm making dinner. And that kind of anytime you'd go out for dinner with girlfriends then you yeah. would drink. And I always said, I'm not drinking during the week. I'm just drinking on the weekend. But then it's like you throw in a hard day at work and you open a bottle of wine, you go out with girlfriends to dinner, you know, and it just slowly started becoming three nights a week, four nights a week, you know, sometimes even up to five nights a week that I was drinking. Yeah. Okay. So before it started to escalate, because that's what an addictive substance does, right? That's not a weakness in you yeah. that then it kind of creeps in and you start wanting it more and drinking it more because it's highly addictive. Before that point, when you were just, what would look like from the outside successfully moderating? And I'm putting that in huge air quotes because successfully moderating, I don't even, that's an oxymoron. Like, I don't know what that is. How did you feel about your relationship with alcohol? Like, did it cause kind of turmoil in you or were you just like, this is fine and this is what it is? 
Yeah. Once alcohol started trickling into more than like just a Friday night thing, yeah, I tried every bit of moderating. You know, I did the dry Januaries. I did the sober Octobers. I'm only drinking on Fridays. I'm only drinking wine. I'm only drinking vodka. I'm yeah. going to only have two drinks and drink two glasses of what I mean, I tried yeah. all of it. Every single bit of it. I love to hear everybody's rules. I mean, so many of us have all these, you know, crazy rules. And the one about the only drinking vodka is so funny to me because I see it all the time that people are like, it's the sugar. You know, I just can't. It's the sugar in the wine that it really, you know, I so I'm sticking to vodka. I'm like, yeah, it's the sugar, you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been a health nut like my whole life. And yeah. so it was kind of crazy because it was like everything I was doing, you know, getting up and working out in the morning, you know, really trying to watch my sugar intake and, you know, a diet full of fruits and vegetables and lean meats. And, you know, I was doing all of that, but I just was ruining it with alcohol. And I really, for so long thought it's just the sugar in the wine because I don't drink sugar and I don't eat sugar. So I was like, it gotta just be that. Isn't that funny? And you're not alone in that. Like we just have such a blind spot to alcohol, just societally that it's, we are far more likely to blame sugar. And yeah, is sugar awful? Sure. But you can't discount the ethanol. That's bananas, right? But that's what we've been taught to do. So, so many of us were in that same, it's just a huge blind spot. That you're like, oh no, well, it's not the alcohol, it's the sugar. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of in denial. Yeah, of course. You know, I liked drinking. It was fun. It was, you know, what we do. And even like my husband and I, we've actually been together since high school. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's what my husband and I have always done. Like Friday nights were our nights where the kids went to bed and, we popped open a bottle of wine or made martinis and we always had, you know, we kind of had like an inside date night, you know, after the kids went to bed on Friday night, that's like what we did and kicked off our weekend. And so I didn't want to give that up. I was Mm -hmm. so scared. What would this life look like for my marriage? Yeah, that's such a valid concern, right? And I feel like so many women listening to this can relate to that because, I mean, often alcohol is this, you know, what we think is like the glue. Like when we're dating, like we need alcohol to connect with our partner and our spouse in marriage. And like, yeah, well, what's going to happen when that goes away? Yeah, I was definitely very scared of Mm -hmm. that. And my husband and I had a lot of conversations about it. I mean, it was years and years of me being convicted of my drinking. Yeah. And just kind of trying to get a hold on it. Yeah. And then it would just slowly start becoming more a part of my life. And then I'd be like, okay, like I gotta take a break. And so we take a break for a month or I'd take a break for a month and I'd be like, okay, I'm good. So yeah. you know, now I'm just gonna drink on Fridays. And then it just did what it does. Yes. And 
started sneaking back in, sneaking back in until it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm drinking four or five nights a week. Okay, I got to take another month off. Right. And we do that thinking like we're going to reset, right? And we're going to like start over rather than realizing that you really do just pick up where you leave off Yeah, because it's addictive, right? Okay, so you're at the point now where you're drinking like five days a week if it's a glass of wine or two with dinner or while you're making dinner rather than just on the weekends. What happened? Well, you know, when I was younger, I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I would say within the last year, alcohol just was affecting me in such a negative way that I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like. In all of your podcasts, you know, the moms talk about it. It was, you know, it just was really starting to affect me in a negative way. My mental health, my physical health, every single time I drank, every time I drank, whether I had one glass of wine or I had a bottle of wine, Mm -hmm. I would wake up at two in the morning, headache, stomach ache, room spinning, the worst anxiety ever, like shaking with anxiety and could not go back to sleep until say five in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I just wake up with like all this shame because I am so health conscious and I really try and stick to a good routine of waking up in the morning, reading, journaling, getting to the gym when alcohol caused me to get such lack of sleep, then I wouldn't be in my normal routine. And I'd be waking up when my kids are getting up. And it was like the whole day was just thrown off and I couldn't do it anymore. And I like that you said like, that wasn't you, like that you were health conscious and like you like your routine and like you really like to focus on that and wake up. And so when we continually are kind of disappointed in ourselves because of something that we did and it chips away at how we think about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves because we're like, wait, hold on. Like this isn't me. Like I don't wake up grumpy and I don't make, you know, Mm -hmm. unhealthy decisions. And so why am I continually doing this? And I think a lot of women kind of just push that down, right? Because we've been taught to, and it's like, don't look at it and live with that. But it is that like chipping away at yourself that I think becomes like, it feels so destructive and that that's what alcohol brings with it. Yeah. You know, I tried like, oh, well, you know, if I only have one or two glasses of wine, then maybe I won't wake up at two in the morning with anxiety or, you know, what if I try beer? What if I try just vodka? And the last day that I drank alcohol, it was a Thursday night and I had two glasses of vodka and water. And I measured out my shots. I put one shot of vodka and then filled my glass with water and lemon. And I was like, this is going to do, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to wake, nope, 2am, woke up in the morning anxiety, stomach ache, didn't go back to sleep until 5, 5.30 in the morning. And that Friday morning when my kids basically woke me up, I just was like, I'm done. 
I'm done. Wow. So you like actually did the research. You know what I mean? You were like, okay, I like you could tell that you are like research based and you're like, okay, I'm going to measure this out and I'm going to do it. And I think that that is why that moderation period is so important. You know, we hear so often that women are like, I tried this for like two years or I was in this cycle for six years or however long it is. And once you kind of become aware of the alcohol and like how it's maybe affecting you and then you kind of try stuff out and you see and you really like you were like no no no, I'm gonna measure this I love that you were like I'm gonna measure this this is my experiment right now and then you saw amazingly that even even the two drinks right did the same thing yeah and caused the same shit right 100 percent absolutely 100 percent and Yeah, I think that's kind of all of the trying to figure it out, trying to drink and not be hungover, trying to drink and not have anxiety, trying to drink and not have shame. It was, it was about two years of the back and forth with alcohol and it just ended with, I think I've tried everything and it's just no longer serving me. Right. And because there's one thing you hadn't tried yet, right? You hadn't tried saying like okay, well, fuck alcohol. Let me just lean on me, right? And for many of us in adulthood, we just haven't tried that. We haven't tried all of these things without alcohol. And it's like, okay, well, I gave alcohol like so many chances and I made so many excuses for it. I excused its shitty behavior for years and like, okay, so there's one more thing I haven't tried. Let me try all of this stuff and all of these situations in this life stuff without it. And let's see how that goes. Yep, that is exactly it. Yeah. So then you woke up Friday and you were like, okay, I'm done. Like, what did that day look like or that week? Like, what was that? Okay. So it's kind of a funny story. Oh, good. Even though I knew I was done, we had plans to go out for Mexican. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for dinner. And I was like, well, I can't go to dinner without a margarita. I mean, you it's illegal. Like you guys, I don't know if you know this. <laughs> no, but I get it. I love that this is part of the story because it's like these things where it's like, well, okay, but we're going out for Mexican. Like, don't be insane, right? Yeah. So I was like, I like, this is it. So I went out for Mexican and I did get a skinny margarita. Yeah. But I so knew that I was done. Yeah. I didn't even finish the margarita. I came home and typically my husband and I would have drinks and stuff after we came home. Right. Yeah. Like we, right. and so he was like, hon, what do you want? You want me to make you this or that? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to have anything else the rest of the night. I'm like, because I slept like crap last night from two vodkas and I just don't think that I can drink anymore. Yeah. You know, for the rest of the night. And he was like, okay. Yeah. And thankfully I slept good that night, but that was my last drink. Okay. I love that even more now that you were like, okay, I'm done. Okay. But, and then you fall into your old pattern, right? And the habits and it's like movie and a popcorn, right? And so you don't divorce those things right away. Like you're not going to divorce Mexican food from margaritas right away. And so like, you're like, okay, I'm falling into that habit. I'm going to order it. But then you were like, rather than just doing that thing that we do that we're like, oh, okay, well, this day's shot. I'm going to start on Monday, right? right? You were like, okay, do I really want this? 
like, am I wanting this right now? And you really like, it sounds like you were very in touch with yourself to be like, no, actually, like, I'm not enjoying it. I don't want it. I want my sleep. I want all these things. And then, yeah, you didn't even finish it. Yeah, that was it. I just knew. I knew that I was done, but it was like I had to get that margarita because we were going out for Mexican. <laughs> yeah. But then while I was drinking it, I was like, yep, no. Yes. I really am done. Yes. It's that while you're drinking it thing and not just saying fuck it and throwing out. It's listening to yourself. It's the checking in, even after you order the margarita, even after you take a sip. And then it's like, okay, do I want this? What do I want? And then you knew in your gut you were done. I love this story. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> I love it too. It's my story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you slept okay. You wake up Saturday and then you really felt like, okay, this is like the start of something else. Yeah. So September 16th is, I guess, my first day of sobriety. So yeah. it hasn't been long. It's, I think today is 66 days. Is that the longest you've ever gone without alcohol? Other than pregnancy, pregnancy doesn't count. That's the longest I've ever gone without alcohol. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I tried That's to huge. January. You know, I did like dry January and I was like, I really want to go 90 days. But it's like what you always say. It's like counting down the days until you can drink again. And that's what I yeah. was always doing. I was always yeah. counting down the days where I could drink again. Where like this time around, I was like, no, I'm done for good. Yeah. And when you're counting down the days when you can drink again, I mean, you're in that mindset of that drinking is a privilege that you've just kind of lost out on. Yeah. And that's that's a lie that we've been taught. And yeah, when you can look at it and say like, no, 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 I did the research. Like I did a lot of years of research and like now I'm doing something different. And is that what you think has made the biggest difference this time? Like, is that what feels different for you? Yeah. I mean, I just think all of the events and all of the research and everything kind of led me to that day. Yeah. So I'm thankful for all of it now because I feel so strong in my decision that even when I am triggered or, you know, like kind of a habit falls into place, like when I'm baking cookies, I have a glass of wine. Well, I've been baking cookies and, you know, it's kind of like, ooh, like I kind of want it. But yeah, I'm like, no, I don't because I know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah. And I've tried to do the one glass of wine and I could never be a one glass of wine girl. Yeah. I'm a very like all or nothing person. I'm very A type personality. So when I commit, I commit. And so that's where even my journey with alcohol was. It was like, okay, I'm drinking tonight. It's game on. Right. You know, right. Like I didn't have an off switch. And so now I've been able to carry that over into my sobriety. And it's like, no, like I'm sober now. So game on. That's so interesting. Yeah, that you brought that into sobriety. And you used my favorite word. You said you decided. And you were like, once I decided. Yeah. And there's just huge freedom in deciding. It takes some pressure off. It really, for me, that's how it felt. Like I was like, oh, the decision's been made. So whether, like you said, whether I'm triggered when I'm baking cookies or whatever, that's not going to change my decision. Right. I love it. I love your story. Thank you. And how are you feeling physically? Like, can you tell a difference? Oh, I mean, 
I just feel amazing. The first two weeks were really, really hard. Yeah. The first two weeks, I cried every day, almost all day. Yeah. I was so emotional. I was an emotional wreck. I love that you said that because I just actually I showed my husband this. I saw it. I think it was like the holistic psychologist or someone on Instagram. Hold on. Which I like her, but then I also, she went on this like mental health, like women's mental health thing, and she didn't even once mention alcohol. So then I was like, okay, you just went down a peg. Okay, so she posted, I'll put this in the show notes. It was four days ago. She posted, crying heals your body. It releases oxytocin and endorphins and brings you back to a parasympathetic state. And so this like relief that we feel after we cry and that it really does, like I can feel that physically, right? And so I always see crying as a sign of like, oh, you're healing. Like you're releasing everything that's been stored in your body and it has to get out, yeah, right? And so it makes so much sense that you're like, yeah, I cried for two weeks straight. In my mind, I'm like, isn't that wonderful? But yeah, I can totally see how that's like, that's hard. Yeah, I did. I definitely cried for like two weeks straight. And I think it was... I just was so emotional. And, you know, when your body starts to heal, you know, all kinds of stuff comes up during that like healing process, you know? And it was like, I was scared. I didn't know what life was going to look like. Also, maybe grieving. Totally. You know, grieving alcohol. Yeah. And what that was going to look like when I went out for girls' night on Friday nights with my husband and all of that. And, just a bunch of emotions in general. And so, yeah, I cried for like two weeks. And then once I kind of got through that, oh, and I had a really, really bad headache for about a week. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I could not like get this headache to come to bed. Like it just, I had a really bad headache. But then like after those two weeks, I mean, I started sleeping so good. And I know everybody says that, but I've always been a light sleeper, easily awakened. And it's probably because I wasn't really getting into my REM sleep nearly as much because of the alcohol. But yeah, I started sleeping through the night without waking up at all until my alarm went off in the morning. And now I mean, I'm back into my routine. I wake up at five every morning. I'm journaling, I'm reading, I'm in prayer. Then I head to the gym, come home. And then like everyone else in the house is starting to get up. And it's like, I get that time for myself in so that I'm able to give to my kids and give to my husband. And that feels really good. Yes. Oh, I think that that's probably one of the hardest things for me that throws my day off is when I wake up after my kids. And like just that feeling, like when you said my kids woke me up right after that drinking and I was like, oh my God, I feel that so much in my court. And then it's just like your whole day, you're like, ugh, like I'm already on my back foot and I can't get ahead and I'm I'm yeah. just like sluggish and I can't do it, right? And there's just something, even if you're not a morning person, there's just something about getting up before the rest of the house and like having that time. It's my favorite. It's my favorite too. It's my like favorite time of the day. Though, I mean, I love being with yeah. my kids and all the memories. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, I'm like, we know, but still, let's talk about the mornings without them. I, I have to fill my cup up first, you know, yes. for, it yes. to, for me to give into others. And so I just know I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better teacher. All of those things when I fill my cup up first. And, 
you know, that's what alcohol was stealing from me. It really was yes. that time. So I just felt like I was always constantly giving from an empty cup and mm. I couldn't count on myself, you know, because yes. I kept saying, oh, I'm going to get up in the morning, go to the gym. And then I wouldn't. And the cycle would continue. And now that I can yeah. say, no, like I can trust myself and I can really count on myself feels really good too. Oh, that's my favorite part. It's better than any red wine in the, I don't care if it's from France. It's the best. Yeah. Well, I'm so proud of you and I'm excited to watch your journey and you sound just like, yeah, you're on the best adventure and you're really in such a good headspace. Like I can tell that you're like, yeah, you're doing it. And you'll continue to do it. And that's so exciting. And I'm so glad that you shared your story. You know, you don't have to have a year, two years. Like, these are the stories that I want to hear. Like, this is when you're in it and you're figuring it out and you've done the research and all of that. These stories really help women. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you having me and giving me the opportunity to share. If I can even help one mom or, you know, one person, then it's all worth it. Yes, you will, for sure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.